everybody, and welcome to a very special Visions from the High Plains edition of Friday Happy Hour. This is uh, our favorite show where we get to come hang around and uh, have a have a beer or two and talk about whatever happens to be on our mind. This time, we have lots of fodder uh, as Peter and I sit here drinking a couple beers. Peter has returned from a trip to New Mexico. Yeah. To the uh, from the from the high the high desert, and so we're going to learn all about the high desert <laughs> and what it was like well, on about, about that. There. That's yeah. No, it was good though. Well, I'm sure it was. So let's let's t- talk about your trip for starters, Peter. Uh, you and your wife. Uh, this was a driving trip, huh? Yeah, we jumped in the car, Genevieve and I. Genevieve, uh, a, a week long. You know, get to, we wanted to go north of Taos, we wanted to go, we wanted to get into the country a little bit, in the high country up in uh, New Mexico, get away from TVs, you know, get away from a lot of people, so it was a little bit remote, um, so it was great to uh, to do that. Yeah, and you went up to this kind of hippie cabin, was where you decided to make yeah. your lodging. Yeah, so this is kind of interesting, so... Uh, we didn't want to stay in Taos. We could have rented it in plenty of rooms available. You know, of course, not a lot of people traveling. Um, but we didn't want to do a hotel. We didn't want to be in the city, really. So this, so post-World War One, returning veteran. This is Whew, the story. Here we go. Yeah, I, t- this I is told you guys we're going to get into it. Uh, comes back from uh, World War One and uh, buys a bunch of a property. I, I want to say 60 acres or 100 acres. Um, north of Taos and uh, sets up a little trading store, right? And so he had to take a horse down to Taos and stuff. Like it was ways up, day trip basically from Taos, right? Back in the day, and um, and he he ends up building a series of log cabins, and he ends up becoming the post. His wife becomes the postmaster. Wow! So for everybody who lived in that valley in that part of uh, in that small region would come to the post office, come to the store. So he ends up with this cabin set up. And by the thirties, famous writers and authors are going up there to write. So wow. that's the claim to fame of the property. So there's the Aldous Huxley houses, which one we stayed in and he was there and there's, you know, different, uh, different artists and writers. DH Lawrence's place was right up the road, hung out there. So, that that's the nature of the property and 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 there's there's they, they, they chickens and stuff and it's no they, can you give me like a tonal vibe check of the zone what was it like <laughs> well it was it's really interesting and uh first thing i'll say about new mexico is nothing stays new for very long huh or things get old quickly you know like these cabins mm. there's all of the it's the harshness of the environment this is pretty this is 6000 or so feet elevation you know the sunshine stuff but the corrals they had like a chicken coop thing and they had a place where this guy kept farm animals and they had a, and they grew lots of crops on this thing so the current couple is continuing that so what's the vibe it's kind of like being at you're 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 in a farmyard Essentially, it's very agrarian zone there. Very agrarian. There's a ranchy. Is it a ranch? Um, or is it like a it's, farm? It's it's more farmy. It's not. Uh, yeah, it's not. So out of, it's not desert. So, 
So he had a big hit tomatoes and squash and wow. <clears throat> had rows of all this stuff, right? And as guests to this place, he, he said, go down, pick whatever. Really? Yeah. So we picked So are they tomatoes. selling this stuff? No, I, I don't. I don't think so. So this is just for his own personal I, consumption. And the people who come and stay at these oh. cabins, I don't know. Uh, uh, I could see why the artists would dig that because they're all vegans. Right. And, and they well, would you eat that fresh? Well, and he had the, and he had, a, and he had a, lot, a lot of chicken. I apologize to those classics but, you were mentioning. I bet they ate meat. <laughs> I bet Back, they did. Yeah, those old timers were big um, carnivores. So we were looking for that kind of a getaway spot. And uh, there were maybe two other people in the complex so basically, we were there just with the owner. And uh, so we we drive up, we, we get there, right? And there's not a check-in right. office to this thing. So we just sort of park and start walking down this dirt road, trying to see if we'll see anybody. Like, is there an office or something? And we get to the end of the road, and there's a there's a kind of an open-air pavilion this guy built. It's, pavilion wow. is not the right word. It's very cool. Uh, Describe it. What is this thing? Well, he built, uh, it's called the Cantina, and it's it's almost like an indoor dance floor, like you would see in a Texas classic uh, rural saloon. I mean, it's it's large space. It's got a wraparound porch, a tin roof, and rocking chairs, you know, facing uh, the sunset, which is, what is it east? The sunsets in the east? It, what, the, west. the west. I'm sorry. So facing west. So okay. we, that's a happy hour error. Right. So you get, so we get down to the cantina and there's a couple sitting in, in the chair, mm-hmm. you know, in the rocking chairs and it, the sun's going down, the sky is unbelievably beautiful. And they're just like, and we said, Hey, so, you know, we think we have a place here. We think we're in the right place. And he said, yeah, okay. And he said, so we're just trying to know if we have to check in. And he said, you're checked in. <laughs> that was it. He, she said, we have to do anything. He's like, no. You're checked in, and the uh, <clears throat> your cabin is up on the up up here on this road. So just yeah, go up, and that was wow. it. That was the check in. I love that. Yeah. <clears throat> so so the vibe is very relaxed. Very kind of like no TV. Would you say it's like you know kind of got that Palm Springs in the '60s vibe? Well, <clears throat> this is the funny thing about this guy about the '60s vibe because. In the in your cabin, you get a history of the place. That's why I know uh, some of these facts. There's like he typed it up, and he he came. The guy who owns it now was a Vietnam War vet and came back and lived in communes in this part of New Mexico for several years after during like 1968 or so, and marries a Swedish woman. And so this, this is all in the story that you get when you check right, into the right. cabin. You, you know? can read all about it. You can read you all about there. it, and so. He is, he's, him and his wife both went on to get their PhDs, one in public health, and I forget what he had, and uh, their kids are grown. One's a stockbroker in San Diego. Uh, he has a, a son in Taos. He's an artist, in a, and one of them's in New York City, you know? So, anyway. <laughs> it, this guy's a commune guy, and that's what it feels like. That's yeah. what I'm saying. In terms of the vibe, that's the whole... Yeah. The whole point is... It takes a village, huh? Mm-hmm. It and takes it, a, a total community to raise your children. Yeah, all that. To enjoy life. Right. Well, I dig that. <clears throat> no, it was, it was interesting. and it was, it was a change of pace. But I'll have to say that, you know, this is the first time we've traveled. We've barely spent any time, extended period away from our house since March, right? Like most people. <clears throat> and uh, 
it was a little weird to be traveling and and not terribly comfortable, you know, because you're just not sure you should be doing it. That's kind of the dilemma. It was like, is this really what we... So At least for me, that, that faded away after a little bit. It did. It did. And, you know, I told Genevieve, I said, look, uh, it's a, this is... The, the tourism economy is really suffering and if nothing else, we're just, we're just showing up and, you know, supporting these businesses that are really struggling. So, yeah. Yeah. It's complicated. I mean, you can't get over the fact that you're moving physically. So, you know, when there's a pandemic on that is, uh, yeah. that's creating a whole, yeah a whole cascading thing yeah. in the risk department. But at the same time, I completely, I completely agree. And obviously the, I mean, I went, I flew, which is like, I think the biggest, and yeah. that was a, that was a really odd experience. I, have I would to think say. I'm not quite ready for that. I and and I, I, I got to say, you know, getting away, I think to the country, you can take your mask off. Like if you're not interacting with people, right. like just going mask. Was that weird? Putting your mask great. back on? Yeah. Well, you- yeah. Now you definitely, you know, in Toss there were, there were billboards up all over town. It was very, you know, much the expectation everybody was, but at the cabin and when we went hiking, uh, absolutely no worries about that, of course. And it was great not to yeah. have to, to think about it. I mean, um, the coolest thing we did uh, the Rio Grande del Norte National Monument, which is managed by uh, the Bureau of Land Management, uh, part of the U.S. Department of the Interior, right? These are our federal lands. This monument was created in 2013 uh, by Obama. And it is the Rio Grande River Gorge as it intersects the Red River coming wow, from Red River, shit. New Mexico, that's, which is its own gorge. And there's a point where the two cool. gorges and the rivers meet and you can kind of go to this point and that's the like a why yes it's like a why and you get and it's it's kind of crazy because there's a deep eight hundred thousand foot canyon to your right and there's another deep eight hundred to a thousand foot deep canyon to the left with another river in it and they connect i mean and you're like so yeah it's so it was a it's a great call it was a beautiful thing to, to put this in the blm and they're and the trails were great and it's just well managed and but weirdly uh there was maybe one other car in this whole thing of you know thousands and thousands of acres and, and what's your why do you think that well i think you know people aren't traveling and um <clears throat> so it made it incredibly nice to sort of drive at 20 miles an hour through this place and not be holding up a group of cars or anything um but i think it's part of the yeah people not sure about that stuff really yeah that's interesting i don't know man well i i would also be interested to know about the if they were closed, you know, a lot of these public places have, uh, I think just they been, were, weren't so they weird. for, weren't they for a while? Didn't they close the national parks and the public lands for a while this year? Yeah. Well, it, I think it was park by park, but, um, you know, just uh, big, big bend here in Texas is just now opening up for overnight is it? stay. And it's been <clears throat> just day use basically. Hmm. Um, and I, I don't know what I, I believe the National Seashore has stayed open the entire time, 
but I believe no camping as well. So, you know, there's, yeah, there's, I, I think they're taking it on a case by case basis, but, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if there were increased restrictions. But one thing, you know, yeah, not, there not to pull this entirely away from your trip, we got to get no, back no. there. No, but that's fine. The uh, oh, this phenomenon that we've seen during this past summer, where during the reopening, when people were trying to get out, I'm going back to the very beginning of yeah, summer now, March, April. Yeah, and the uh, they closed the beaches, for example, in California. Right. And in addition to the outcry and the surfers protesting. Right. There were also a lot of people that said, well, if I can't go to the beach, I'm going to go to the mountains. And yeah. so they went to really sensitive, like, you know, you want to talk about high pressure areas. You're talking about hundreds and hundreds of cars on tiny little, right. you know, seasonal uh, streams. Right. And these that then get dammed up so people can have pools uh wow and it just changes the whole damn thing and so had those beaches remained open yeah you know i'll tell you the The pressure would have been less the pressure no no doubt but you talk about like the complex management decision making cross your uh jurisdictions where yeah you've got that was very strange in southern california no i mean these are national forest lands and then you're talking about state beaches right and you know, public remember beach- there would be the, like the, the L.A. County shut down all of the beaches, and but right outside the county, other various beachfront communities. Yeah, Ventura some, County was open. Some were open, some were closed, and it was sort of this mishmash. And it was doing what you're saying. It was driving all kinds of traffic into smaller areas and having its own problems. I mean, right? It's been and I it, when. The campgrounds, the, some of the, the main trails in the National Monument were, were closed. There were lots of signs up saying, okay, so these campsites are all closed. Don't, you, can, you can hike this trail. It, had, it was fundamentally a day-use area. Right. There were a few spaces. Um, so, yeah, I think um, it was very strange to be in a place like that that is so beautiful that you know would normally be full of people. Yeah, no question. Okay, this is what I want to talk to you about. All right. Uh, this this was just so good. This is so we're drinking some Pacificos, and just the color of that can, that yellow Pacifico can, you can almost mm-hmm. it, it's, it's almost a, a color. Beer. So it is. It. it is. We do Pacifico. It. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but the, we were talking about the uh, the high plains geologically yeah. and what they were. Yeah. And just it's very high plainsy, I think, to actually even contemplate that because yeah. it's just kind of a mind. It's it's really so it's this, very fun to imagine. This was that. cool. So we're driving out from Austin. So we're driving across West Texas, you know, uh, out through Lubbock and along the road. You know, everybody knows these things. There's the historic marker here and there. And we sort of slowed down to see what the topic was you know i was like slow down i want to see what what are they what's the historical marker about and it said the lano estacado and <clears throat> which i know from like a song or something really because it's it's apparently i did i had it's a n- cool damn word it's it it means uh, lano estacado it means planes that are staked essentially and it refers to the 1560s when coronado one of the french i mean french spanish uh, early Spanish explorers in that region crossed this thing, and it was hundreds of miles of flat 
prairie, no trees, no stones, any markers. Wow. Any way to, and it was high grass. And it was like, he said, it was like the sea and it was like being lost in the middle of the ocean. So they started putting stakes in the ground. So when they were coming back, they could find their way back. Wow. That's how it was named. When so, was that? The 1560s? 1560s. Whew. Uh, Boy, talk about a decade. Yeah, now the early Spanish explorers. Y'all thought, you know, we, we get it all caught up in 2020. So I'm Googling this up because we're driving, right? And I'm, I said, oh, I'm going to look that up. Lino, let's kind of so start read about the story. And then I'm like, what's the geology? And it's an incredibly interesting geology of this. This is a 6,000-foot plateau that is virtually flat. It covers 30,000 square miles, New Mexico and Texas border. It's an incredible feature. And it, and it's sort of starting to read about the geology and looking at papers at the you know, University of New Mexico. I'm trying to get deep. And it is basically when the Rockies were forming, uh, uh, the erosion of certain, the Southern Rockies was faster and all of this alluvial material was washed down these rivers for millions and millions of years and stacked up into this perfectly flat plateau and there's no big rocks in it and it's it's just amazing and uh it and then it is the the last layers were cementous so they were they sort of created this cap you know i could have guessed that yeah and it's just it's i mean you're just reading about this like man this is you know i just love that's part of the reason i love going to new mexico is it's you know the geology is really interesting. It's kind of cool yeah. to know about it. Totally. I was. I was. You know. I I could not agree more. Part of that high desert mentality is looking at the canyons and shit and being like, "Boy, that's let's 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 try to size up austere. a million years." Yeah. Put it. Let's try to put a million years on. Okay. Now let's try to put fifty on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's why those those gorges, you know, with, with the rivers that we're in, there's this perfectly flat plateau, and then there's this steep cut where the the river got through the cap rock into the soft stuff underneath, and it just runs really fast. And uh, and and so it's the whole geology and geography of 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 that part of New Mexico is, I think, fascinating, and it's. This is what I. This is what strikes me about that. Uh, Plymouth Rock, right? When, when did the the famous landing at Plymouth? Sixteen oh four, I believe. Sixteen oh four. Okay. Okay. The Spanish are trekking across Southeast United States sixty years before that. Yeah. You think about the European influence into the United States. I mean, these guys are. They're not just hanging on to the first place their boat landed and like chopped down a few trees and stayed right there these guys are like trekking hundreds of miles thousands of miles all over the southwest yeah at before the pilgrims arrived yeah so i just think it's you know interesting the whole the whole territory is interesting very very interesting uh i i think it's just a great place to go especially from here in austin driving distance you get out there it is mm-hmm. like you are in a totally different 12 hours zone to, yeah. and uh i i think it's a great trip uh mm-hmm. and i'm happy you took it because we've got a lot on our on yeah. our plate here at the hq ladies and gentlemen <laughs> uh and we are working on some initiatives we are we cannot fully disclose but but uh, <laughs> we got some ideas. That's right. 
uh, we can disclose a little bit. I think the first thing I, I will say is we're going to be doing a survey. Yeah. There'll be a survey coming at you soon. It readers might, and listeners. Readers, listeners, if mm-hmm. you're listening to this, hopefully you're both. Uh, that would be really cool as if right. you uh, were a subscriber at CoastalNewsToday.com. Uh, get the Daily Blast and get all your coastal news there. But mm-hmm. uh, we are going to be doing a survey. We really, really, really yeah. could use your help uh, filling it out. Let us know about you and what we can do uh, to best serve you. Yeah. Um, and well, yeah. let's see. The other thing I want to say, Peter, is this, 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 of course, is a Friday happy hour. And I would like to propose a toast sure. to... Uh, Tomorrow will be the final episode of our first series on ASPN University. Oh, yeah. And we've we've brought that to you all on the American Shoreline Podcast Network. Yeah. Uh, but we are launching uh, ASPN University soon. And we are, that is in development. We won't go into all the details of that right now. Yeah, but it's a good. But this, we're excited. I'm excited. So we, we ran this pilot series with Oregon State. Uh, there are four shows here and the idea you know basically we want to put these microphones in the hands of graduate students in coastal science and policy and all of that stuff we want to hear from the next generation of coastal leaders so we want to create ASPN University that we want to develop in association with a number of coastal universities around the United States where their graduate students are talking about their perspectives on what they're learning, the state of the art, what their concerns are. I just think ASPNU is graduate students, undergraduate students. This is going to be a, yeah. a thought fest if yeah. there's such a thing, yeah. but uh, a new channel too. It's new. a new, brand new channel. You can subscribe to it now. In fact, I would encourage you to do that. Mm-hmm. ASPN university is what you'd search for. Uh, it's available now on all major platforms. Uh, go ahead and get that get that subscription now. This will not launch formally, right? For uh, until twenty twenty one, we're saving it for the new year. We're in development yeah. now, but the channel's up and you can subscribe to it now. And aren't the four Oregon State shows on the channel? I believe they are. Uh, I know not, not episode qu- one is episode one is certainly on there. Uh, the okay. others will will okay. are, are matriculate. Yes, okay. they will. So, we can get those on there. And, you know, uh, Meg, Dr. Megan Wengrove from Oregon State University uh, approached Tyra and I about, about trying to do some podcast stuff with her students that she thought might be interesting. And it really led to a lot of uh, thinking on our part in the creation of ASPN University. Uh, and uh, they also produced those first four shows that uh, I think were really an outstanding kind of model for us to evaluate. Is that the kind of coverage we want to have on ASPN University? And I think, man, it's, it turned out pretty damn good, I have to say. Yeah, and I think the answer is that we want, definitely want to bring that student perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and boy, there's just so much to learn from that. Uh, and we're also aware that elsewhere on campus, uh, there are researchers uh, down in mm-hmm. the bunker 
working with an aquarium, working with a microscope, <laughs> not doing a lot of talking. I think we could give him not you know, doing a lot a, of talking. A spectrograph, you know, you know, a, an electron microscope. They got cooler tools. They've got a lot of cool aquarium. tools. I, they do. My point is, we're yeah, gonna we're gonna make sure that we the researchers. We're gonna make sure that we send those folks microphones too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but. You know, we we really do believe that this podcasting uh, media is a great way to share information, to share how we're thinking about the coastal space. And uh, there's a lot of really interesting thought happening, and we're going to capture it, and we're going to bring it to you uh, there at ASPN University. Subscribe now. Yeah. Go ahead and get on board, because we're working on developing the the channel, so there's a a whole lot to think about here, but... Um, you know, I, I think what I like about it and what I like about putting the microphones in the hands of the students and the researchers, right. is kind of the philosophy we've had all along, which is I want the people who are involved in the profession to be not the subject of an interview, but the interviewer and taking us on a path with the people they know who are important in their community of thinkers and have and they have enough experience to actually talk about freaking issues in a real way. And so that's what we do with all of our hosts on ISPN. They're all working professionals, aren't they? I think they are, every single one. And the students, I really, uh, you know, the kids who are kids, that's terrible. I know, we, we got to knock that I'm off. way too, that's, I'm sorry. No, not the kids. These young professionals are... Uh, have a, a perspective that uh, we need to hear, number one. And number two, I think it's important that they're more conversant in the public arena. Uh, you know, science is pretty damn political now, and the researchers who understand this stuff need to be able to talk about it publicly. I, and that's part of the reason I like ASPN. And this is going to be a curated channel. So uh, yeah. you're going to get perspectives from differing levels on differing spectrum uh, differing you know subject matters throughout the coastal spectrums right uh we are bringing that same aspn uh de-siloed approach to yeah, the campus renaissance you got to know it a little bit about everything that's right the biology department and the geology department mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna be interested in all of the research mm-hmm. if it relates to the coastal space to the, the ocean to the marine all that we are we want to bring that all to this place uh, very important that we do that and that's what we're working on right now and it's uh we're really excited about it we're we're making progress on that yeah uh let's see peter uh we 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 moved away from your trip but i think it's yeah it's that's only fine. Right. i think we covered it oh no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> oh no we're going back up there we're going back up we're gonna we gotta wrap all it right, up with a story right, we gotta wrap right, it up right. from it with a story from yeah, the okay. uh from the high, uh, yeah, the high plains. Well, I'll tell you one thing that impressed me: uh, driving out there across West Texas, uh, and a lot of people know this that Texas is the number one wind power producer in the country, around twenty-five thousand megawatts, I think, or something. We're four times. You know, the next four states don't make Texas. It's very so, Texan to do this right here, right? Well, the windmills. I mean, the wind farms on the way as you get in close to Mexico are really extensive. There was, we had a long discussion about the aesthetics of that on the way out, you know, how it feels. And it's really interesting because you're driving through that energy 
infrastructure next to the oil and gas infrastructure, which is often on the same property. So the windmill's turning and in front of it is a pump jack pumping oil out of the ground. And whoever this owner is, is getting checks from both, you know. So but the aesthetics of, of wind is interesting. And so we had lots of discussion about it. it was it was amazing to see the transmission system that Texas had to build. We spent about $5 billion. And I'll give, you know, uh, Rick Perry credit for that when he was governor and before he became secretary of energy. These guys, they, they really put the money down so that you could put these turbines way out in West Texas and get the power to Dallas and get it to Houston and where it's going to be burned up. Right. So I don't know. That was one of the infrastructure. You know, and took a lot of videos of it. And, uh, you know, I looked What's up, your assessment on the aesthetic? Um, I hate it. it well, I Although mean, I'm getting used I'm, to it. I'm, I'm getting, getting, I'm, I'm getting I don't used love to it. it. I don't, I'm warming up. I don't love it. But I look at the land scars of oil and gas and, the, and what's on the ground. And you look and you can. Comp- I'm trying to compare these two things. The, there's oil and gas tanks pipelines like a spider web across west texas if you look at i challenge people to do this go on google earth go out in the vicinity of midland texas in these areas where the fracking boom is going on in the permian basin you know just kind of zoom down and you'll see this intense network of roads as they drill fracking wells all through here at a density that will blow your mind um, and here's what you can do on Google Earth. If you find a patch where you see it, go up to the, to the history bar where you can look at that area 10 years ago, right, and slide the bar, and it puts together the aerial photographs in, in sequential order. And you can go back and find places where these, these high plains in Texas are. There's nothing there. There isn't a single road. And within 10 years, it is blanketed with oil wells and and real scars in the surface of the land there's so many roads involved and then i look yeah. at wind, and then i look at wind power and i'm like well there isn't any free way to produce power i mean it's i'm pretty happy with this happening i think i'm glad the landowners make money it's compatible with farming and ranching um so i was like i'll take it you know i'll take the wind the wind tower density and it you know, look, the other thing I was doing was was looking up on Google the wind farms we were driving through and figuring out who developed them and what the equipment was and reading about the generators that are on these things and what when they were built and what their capacity is. See, Peter likes to nerd out on stuff I, like this. It was really interesting. There were three or four manufacturers. Yeah. And these are pretty early turbines. These are what they're building now are so much better than what was built out there. Now there's a, there's sort of generations of wind towers out there, but yeah, I just got to say that was another big takeaway. Totally. That's cool. Of the trip is that that's cool. That landscape. Well, Peter, I'm again, I'm really happy you took that trip. (laughs) And, uh, I think, you know, we, it's, it's a good time here on the American shoreline podcast network, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, we surely are uh, enjoying bringing this content to you, especially when it's a Friday happy hour. And I love, I That's, love, these are, I love, these are great. These I are love fun. working on the coast news today. And I really love ASPN and I love all these hosts that do such interesting things. I'm incredibly happy about all of it. And 
so you, you guys, you know, sign up for Coastal. This is free. And Coastal News Today, be a subscriber on ASPN. Sign up on whatever podcast platform you want. Google, Apple, Spotify, Anchor. There's a dozen of them. Be a subscriber. Listen in and and let us know what you're thinking. That's why we're doing the survey. You know, I want to know more what our audience thinks about what we're doing. We, it's It's not easy to get feedback. So I'm hoping we... Yeah, listen. If you li- if you are listening to this uh, podcast, yeah. do me a favor and just do the damn survey. It's it's about next week. It'll right? take it'll take you ten minutes, and it will make a world of difference for us to be able to do this. Uh, it's absolutely essential for us to have this information about you. It will help us get sponsors. Yeah. It will help us keep this content free, which it really needs to be. So yeah, please take do do the survey. All right, I'm not gonna. Well, uh, thanks, Tyler, for having me on Friday <laughs> Happier. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, Peter. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, another wonderful edition of Friday Happy Hour. Please have a safe weekend, and we will see you next week. All righty.